0: Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really appreciate you taking the time. Always glad to have the former uh, governor of Arkansas. Also, he's a great television host, a great musician, and just an all-around great guy.
1: It's Mike Huckabee. Mike, how are you? Good to see you. Joe, doing great. Listen, with that kind of introduction, I am so <laughs> glad to be here. I don't get that typically. It's like, okay, here he is, Sarah's dad. Go ahead. <laughs> That's it. (laughs) I'll record that. You can carry It could be your ringtone or something. Um, Really
0: good to see you. And I always say this when I I see you, and I hope that you don't mind me saying it again. In 2008, when you were running for president, I think that you were in San Antonio, which is where my show is based. We're in 170 stations now, but we're based in San Antonio. And I think you were under a bridge somewhere in downtown San Antonio, just got done with a rally, and you jumped on a cell phone call with me live on the air. And that just meant the world to me that you would take a minute to do that. That told me who you are right then. You've never big-timed anybody, I don't think. And you certainly could. Is that, is that your upbringing, Mike? I mean, what is that that you're so gracious always?
1: Well, I don't know that I'm always gracious, but Joe, I came from nothing. I mean, I'm the first male in my entire family lineage to ever graduate high school. Wow. You know, I know where I come from. I, I literally did come when I say from nothing, I'm not making that up and I'm not ashamed of it. Right. I'm actually thrilled because I live in America. It didn't matter where I started. I was able to dream big dreams and see many of them come to fruition. Now, when I called you on that cell phone, uh, I was under a bridge. I think I was living in a van down by the <laughs> road point. It was. I think, I think at that point you, you'd you uh, come up a little bit in
0: life. It, it wasn't like when you were growing up in Arkansas. Uh, yeah. but, but, but again, always so nice and, and, and always so available. And I think that's why you did so well. I, for a time, thought you would be the
1: Republican nominee. It looked really good. Yeah, me too. I, I really thought so. Um, You know, but for a few votes in South Carolina, if I had won there, McCain had said that he would drop out. He just didn't have any uh, gas to go. And uh, we thought we were winning South Carolina and we were early in the evening. I even got a call from George Stephanopoulos about 8.30, and he said, we're pretty sure you're going to win this. But then all those votes came from the low country where McCain was strong down around Charleston. And, you know, it was just enough. You don't have to beat, beat, uh, get beat by more than one. right? And McCain edged it out, and that's, uh, that's the way it went. We continued to do well in some other states, winning th- most of Super Tuesday. But by then— And this is really frustrating to someone who's been a candidate. The press had decided that it was going to be John McCain. And they basically said, that's over. And we said, well, it's not over. We still have all these states to go. And we won so many on Super Tuesday. And it was like, yeah, no big deal. McCain's going to win. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because once they keep saying that, your donors dry up and they all go to McCain because everybody wants to ride the train. Yeah. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Does
0: does the RNC pick and choose at that point, too? Or did they still back anybody who would have won?
1: I think they would have backed anyone who ran. But, you know, to be fair, I find that there was no doubt that the establishment of the party wanted McCain to win. I'll I'll tell you a little story. When it got down to McCain and me, and that's what it got down to, Romney dropped out and a lot of others had dropped out, everybody but the two of us. I actually got a call from then-President Bush. And he didn't directly say, you need to drop out. It's just like, hey, what are you thinking? You think maybe. <laughs> How you feeling? Time? Yeah. I'm Yeah. And I thought, hey, why don't you just sit this one out and let it. Let it uh, be decided by the voters. And that was the thing.
0: That's why you were so attractive, Mike, because you weren't the establishment. You were a guy who had been an unbelievably great governor. And we wanted to see that put into place for all 50 states. And that would have made a lot of sense. But there really is. There's a deep state. There's a swamp. And sure. there's an establishment on both sides. And he was, the, he was the guy.
1: Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, McCain had been in uh, campaign before. The press liked him because, uh, you know, he let him ride his bus and right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but I'm not bitter about it. I'm really not. Uh, the fact is, I look at it, I had the opportunity to run. My gosh, yeah. how many people get that shot? But I, I think I was a little ahead of my time in my it message worked. because it was a very populous message. Uh, Donald Trump won with the very message in 2016 that I was preaching in tw- uh, 2008. But in 2008, there weren't enough uh, people in the party that really saw that Republicans needed to go out and speak to the middle class, speak to the working class, to the people who stood on their feet all day on concrete, came home bone tired and sweated through their clothes. At that point, the Republicans were still speaking to the folks in the corner office up in the high-rise right, uh, right. in the corporate boardrooms. And that's not really how we're going to win elections now or in the future. Well, it's not. We're seeing that. When, we, when you
0: see places like South Florida or the Rio Grande Valley start to go for Republicans, you know that the Republican message is starting to permeate these these communities that for a long time thought they had to be Democrats, and, and they really aren't. And I think yeah. that you're right. I think that you were the the, the, the the forefather of all that. And then Trump, I think, co-opted the message— and it was so incredible to see a billionaire be able to, to speak the same kind of message that you did and actually resonate with
1: the people that you just mentioned. I mean, that was kind of crazy. Well, I think one of the reasons he was able to do that is because it wasn't a phony thing. You know, people forget that what Donald Trump really is, he is a foreman on a job site in Queens. Yes. And I've told a lot of people, if you, if you think about even his language and the coarseness of it, uh, to some, the vulgarity of it. Right. Go to any job site in Queens, or for that matter, almost anywhere in America, but especially in New York City, right. and listen to the conversation on the job site, and then listen to Donald Trump, and it's one of the same, because that's where he spent most of his life, is out there building stuff. I still, to this day, I, you know, I know a lot of people are down on Trump, and look, he he, he can drive all of us nuts sometimes <laughs> with some of the things he'll say. But if you look at his record as president, He got it done. He did. And I'll tell you what else he did, Joe, something that I'm not sure anybody else could do. He didn't curl up in a fetal position every morning with all the hatred and animosity that he faced from his own party, from the Democrats, from the media, um, uh, even from people who once toasted him as the greatest of New York City and now hated him. He kept getting up. And answering the bell, and he fought back every single day. And I'm just not sure many people have the guts to pull that
0: off. And that's what it takes in life no matter what the the occupation is. But as president, it had to be really isolating, especially knowing that a lot of people who surrounded him were not necessarily fans of his. It's Mike Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com. Great show host. You see him on Fox all the time as well. And and of course, he's written this this op-ed about the election in 2016. that I want to get to in a second. I think I'd be remiss if we, we didn't first say, how proud of Papa are you that your daughter is now in the job that you used to have? Well, I'm replacing
1: buttons on my shirt every day because they keep <laughs> popping off. Love it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm unbelievably proud. And not just that she won the office, but that she has gone into that office in her very first week. Today marks one week since the swearing in. And she's on fire. I'm telling you, the kid is uh, doing the things that I hoped that she would do, yeah. everything she said she would do. She's issued a number of executive orders to say, there will be no CRT, critical race theory. We're not going to use the word latinx in state government. Uh, you know, but she's also going out with a very clear agenda to bring educational choice to parents in Arkansas and and to uh, push for better jobs. And she's doing all the right things. So I'm, I'm just really genuinely proud of her. And I would be even if she wasn't my daughter yeah. because she is. And I do understand the job that she's uh, in it, come into uh, I'm especially thrilled with the way she's getting started.
0: You know who hates uh, Latinx or Latinx? Latinos do. They hate it. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they think it's it. stupid.
1: They do. And and why the Democrats uh, ever thought that that was a great idea to throw this word out there when it is hated by the people to whom it is applied, right. thinking, you know, most people would say, look, we'd like to call you something. Is this okay? And if the people being called a name say, no, I hate that, we would at least you have stop. a back for them to say, okay, we won't call you that. Right. Not and, in
0: this case. And as Sarah is, is making sure that people have school choice, which, by the way, exponentially helps poor neighborhoods and neighborhoods yeah. with bad schools more than rich neighborhoods and neighborhoods with, with good schools. Why the Democrats would be against that, I'm surprised. Uh, but as she's doing that, Katie Hobbs in Arizona is trying to defund school choice and is trying to get rid of a border strike team that sheriffs get $18 million a year for. So we see this delineation, Mike. That the governor of Arkansas does it right. The governor
1: of Arizona does it wrong. We're in the same country. How's that possible? You know, voters get to make choices. Uh, I'm still frustrated with the Arizona governor's race. Carrie Lake was on my television show last week. I think she's one of the most articulate and, uh, quite frankly, uh, engaging candidates that I saw in the entire election cycle. She's fighting hard, and I appreciate her, because what she articulated was a message of economic freedom, personal freedom, cultural freedom, getting the government out of our lives— uh, securing borders, everything that I think most people want. Right. How did Katie Hobbs, who ran a Joe Biden stick in the basement, never come up for air, just let them see you on a poster, how did she win? It just is baffling to me. And I hope that we continue to push for election integrity. I can't tell you the election there uh was stolen or that it was all funny business because i don't know i just i simply don't have the facts for that but i do know that it doesn't make sense when a john fetterman can be elected to the u.s senate in pennsylvania against anybody with a pulse yeah and katie hobbs can win in arizona when you look at the campaign that she failed to run and you see carrie lake who is so aggressive and articulate and you scratch your head and say did people really make that choice yeah. Have a time believing
0: it. Was there fraud? Was there, was there funny business, as you said? We can't say. I can say there was incompetence, gross incompetence. When you've got 20% of the machines can't even print out uh, legibly enough for the machine to count a vote. They couldn't print them out right, And then they mixed votes that hadn't been counted yet with votes that had been counted. At the very least, Mike, they should have recounted every vote because we didn't know which ones were counted, which ones weren't counted. And we also know that 20% of the machines in Maricopa County,
1: the biggest county, just didn't work. Yeah, 62% of the entire vote in Arizona is just in that one county, Maricopa County. As it goes, that's the election. Here's what I don't understand. And let's dial this all the way back to 2020 when the Democrats said there's nothing uh, untoward about the election. It was all in the up and up. If I had been a Democrat and really believed that, I would have demanded an audit of the election results. And the reason I would have is because I would have said, let's audit those uh, ballots And if if it shows what we're confident, it's going to show that they're absolutely pristine, then this will shut up the Republicans now and forever. And it would have. But no, they they said, we're not going to let you look at these ballots. We're not going to open up uh, the whole process and their unwillingness, the lack of transparency and their fight. I mean, it wasn't just a mild pushback. It was not just a no. It was a hell no. Right. You're never going to see these ballots. And I thought, what are you afraid of? That's what I don't understand.
0: It, it, obviously, they were afraid of what the results would be. and I think you make an incredible point. It's Mike Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com. Check out everything he does. And you've got an op-ed recently that you wrote about a case that's going on in America regarding the 2020 election that nobody has heard of. I hadn't heard of it before you brought it up. But this case is actually being heard in, in – what court is it? Is it the, it's a federal court at this point. It's not the Supreme it, Court, is it's it? Fine.
1: It it bubbled up through the federal courts just about a week ago. The Supreme Court declined to take it. It is, at least at this point, effectively dead. But it was it was on its way up. Now, that doesn't mean that anything would have come from it. But it did show that even this long after the election, uh, there were still legal challenges that had enough credibility to get through lower court, district court and appellate court Um, that to me, is somewhat of a signal to say, don't blow this stuff off just because maybe the Supreme Court didn't want to take it up. They, they had like 362 cases. Right. And they didn't bring all of them up uh, for, for cert, which is something they can't do. They don't have that much time. Right. But it could have happened. And, you know, the fact that it didn't is not unusual. Um, and I'm sure they didn't want to touch it.
0: What's startling to me, though, Mike, is the fact that the news media and I used to be a journalist man I wanted the big story I wanted to yeah. go and get the, I wanted I wanted to get the the pat on the back or the journalism award because I did a really good job they purposely ignored this and didn't tell anybody that it was happening two full years
1: after the election a federal court was still hearing cases how do yeah. you not report that Well, just like they don't report uh, what was on Hunter Biden's laptop and 10% for the big guy. And the fact that uh, Joe continually lied when he said, I had no idea what my son was doing, knew nothing about his business affairs. Oh, even when he jumped on Air Force Two and flew with me to China, I was unaware of his presence. And when he was (laughs) paying $50,000 a month rent for a house that never should have rented for more than four or 5,000 tops, uh, I didn't know anything about that either. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we're supposed to believe, and the media plays along, and they play us for fools. But one of the reasons that America is so divided is because we're not as stupid as the media has, uh, I guess, pretended that that we are. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's Mike
0: Huckabee, former Arkansas governor. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and check out his program. I just love your program. I love the music injection that's on there. You had Mark Farner on from Grand Funk Railroad. I love uh, Grand Funk Railroad. Uh, Very good friends with those guys. And and I just, I love the fact that you still smile and you still enjoy, even though we're in a time where we are, as you just said, very divided. So let's talk about documents, Mike. Yeah. Uh, You and I both know President Trump very well. Uh, yeah. Ben, ben to I had no idea when I was there for the 2000 Mules premiere that there were a bunch of documents not far from me that allegedly he shouldn't have had. But we know this to be a fact. The president can declassify anything. Mike Davis, a great independent journalist, says Trump telling somebody, take those boxes and, and take them to my house where he's got a skiff where he's got uh, the the Secret Service guarding them. Um, That in it of itself, that action is declassifying them. Joe Biden, as vice president, could not have declassified anything. Period. End of story. He doesn't have that ability. So the case that's against him, or the case we're looking at with him, is far more egregious. Mike, the news media is acting like not only are they the same, but Trump is way worse than Biden, because Biden was only 10 or 20 or 30 documents. Trump had
1: 15 boxes. What do you make of all this? Well, it shows, again, the hypocrisy of the left. Uh, certainly the absolute lack of professionalism among the media. For one thing, um, if these documents were classified, how come they didn't take 27 heavily armed agents to Joe Biden's house and do a pre-dawn raid? How come they didn't go through Jill's closets like they did Melania's? How come they didn't take Joe's passport like they did President Trump's? Why is it that they made a big deal of it and, and wanted to be sure to show everybody what they were doing with Biden they knew about these documents six days before the midterm election right, and right. sat on the story for two months. We now know the New York Times and other uh, media, including Washington Post, they knew this story ahead of the midterms. They didn't touch it. That's not just irresponsible. Uh, that borders on the kind of reckless, just a lack of professionalism that, frankly, kind of justifies when – president Trump would say that the press have become the enemy of the people. You cover for public officials rather than uncover truth. You have become the enemy of the people. But one thing I'm going to point out about these documents, um, when people say it's, it's all the same, you pointed out the difference between declassifying and not, but here's the big difference. And it's huge. When the FBI rated, mar-a-lago they would not allow his representatives or his attorneys anywhere near the place refused to allow them to look at it with biden every document that is being turned over was turned over by his attorneys well wow. wasn't that the doj went in there and ransacked uh, ransacked his garage and said hey look what we found under some of uh hunter's uh wonderful papers and his great artwork we found declass- uh, the, i mean classified documents No, his attorneys said, oh, we found a few more. Oh, by gosh, we found a few more. How many more are they going to find? Here's the problem. We don't know because the FBI and the DOJ is not looking for them. His own attorneys and his own staff members are looking for them. Which, to me, stinks to high heaven. Because they could turn some over and obviously get rid of
0: some others. Uh, Mike, he wasn't allowed to have even one. Not even one of these documents. And again, Trump could no. have had anything he wanted because he can declassify. Man, I could talk to you for two hours. I really can. Thanks so much for coming on. Go to MikeHuckabee.com. Check out his, his television program. See him on Fox, see him on Newsmax. See him everywhere. And
1: thank you so much for always being so nice to me. Appreciate you, Mike. It's always a pleasure. I love visiting with you. As I said when we were talking before we went on air, I need you to come to Nashville, bring your saxophone, do my show, and let's make some music and have some fun.
0: I, it's a yes. Anytime you want me, I'm there. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. All take right, care. Bro. We're back after this. Stay right here. Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with The Joe Pag Show. I appreciate Mike Huckabee coming on, and I will take him up on that offer. I'll I'll go to Nashville. You kidding me? That would be wonderful. Really appreciate the governor coming on. Next hour is going to be Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee and much more. Keep it here. This is the Joe Peg Show.